our new intro. <laughs> our new intro feels like I am trapped on some kind of a, I don't know, elevator to... Like you need to bang the secretary on the 11th floor <laughs> in Manhattan. Yes, yes. While drinking very a Manhattan. Madman. yes. Yes, very madman. Yes, I like mad that. Madman, sorry. <laughs> madman, I feel like a madman sometimes. Um, yeah, no, I, I like it. I, I like mm-hmm. that we found something new. Uh, I hope our audience likes it. If you don't like our new introduction and also feel like you're just watching a... Uh, TV show about the 1950s advertising business, let us know. But if that's not on your mind, this is Dear Sigmund. And we are a podcast where we'll answer your mental health questions and look forward to doing so. You can present your questions in two ways. One, write in, but we would prefer if you did a voice recording so that we could play your voice on air. Uh, I promise you, well, I can't promise, but we will do no sleuthing to find out whose voice that is. It will be anonymous. I can't say if somebody will recognize your voice, but our listenership, uh, you We know. have no interest in knowing who you are. Yes, right. We Probably no also interest. will not really right. yeah, care. So thank you for listening, and please keep doing so, and please keep writing your questions in. We have a tremendous following, and we look forward to uh, continuing that and helping everybody in any way we can. Um, Who are you? Oh, I'm Dr. J.P. Shand. Okay. <laughs> and I'm a board-certified psychiatrist and forensic psychiatrist. And uh, this is a just something we do for fun, Shannon. Yeah. And I'm Shannon Miller, a licensed clinical social worker and owner of Apricity Behavioral Health, a um, therapy organization that specializes in treating Americans living overseas, also known as expats. Yes. Is mm-hmm. it? Wait. I think I got this right last time expatriate yes right yes it's like a previously a patriot no longer yes. a patriot of your local no longer country yeah why are you putting me on the spot for what I just, this word I means it means expat it means you don't live in america <laughs> right. i don't know you ain't in america no more yep boy. all right <laughs> boy all right <laughs> well let's let's hear some questions and see if we can even remotely get close to an answer dear sigmund Hey, my sister-in-law is pregnant unexpectedly, to my knowledge. She's 21 and does not have any financial stability from herself or her baby daddy. Should I be supportive and go along with her happiness or should I be realistic? It's not a good situation and I am worried uh, for her. Uh, She has so much potential help. That's That's a really, that's a tough position to be in. That's not easy. So I guess the question is, should I be supportive or should I be realistic? I, I, I would be willing to bet that there is probably a way you could do both. It'll be nuanced. Um, generally in my line of business, I'm not a beat around the bush kind of guy, right? I want to really? support you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to support you and meet you where you are. Right. If you're coming to me looking for support, I want to be the person who can help give you that support that you're looking for. But I think it's also a good idea to give that dose of reality. Um, If they come to you and let's say, hey, I am pregnant. I can't believe it. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, I am so thrilled and aren't you thrilled too? I think the only thing you can do in that situation is yes. 
I, I am thrilled for you. Congratulations. It sounds like you are really, really happy, and I'm happy that you're happy, right? I'm meeting you where you are. Once you've established, I think, that relationship part, that I am going to support you uh, ad infinitum or unconditionally, right? This is one of the most amazing things about unconditional love, which is one of the most powerful things in human dynamics or relationships. That also opens the door to be able to say, you know, I was thinking about this and, and I'm really so happy that you're happy, right? I'm not saying that I'm happy about the situation that you're in, but I'm really happy that you're happy. Um, but I was thinking... So word how, trickery. Yeah, word well, trickery is what some, you're looking well, at. I just identifying that that's what you're happy about. And then that opens the door to say, but I was thinking, I bet you're going to have some challenges what do you think those challenges are? Or how can I help you with those challenges? Because I can foresee this is going to be tough for you to not be supported by X or to have this future hardship that I can foresee that you probably know is coming down the line, but you're not ready to talk about yet. So I have the opportunity to open that door for you and say, hey, but I bet it's going to be really hard when this comes about. How can I help you when that happens? Not, oh, I feel terrible for you that this is going to be really tough and you're going to have a tough time with that. I could. I bet this is going to happen. How could I help you when that does, or if that does? I wouldn't dick around with the words quite so much. Mm. I would say your place is to be happy along with her. Life will deal the realism. You don't have to be the one to do it. That those rose-colored glasses are going to come off soon enough, and your job is just to support her when they do without judgment, without reservation, and without condition. So deal with it when it comes. Yes. I, I would say just be on the same page she's on while she's on it. Because what okay. what's it going to do other than rupture the too. relationship? If you're like, hey, this is a really fucked up situation here. Have you even thought about how much it costs for diapers? Yeah, that that you can't go there. Like, no. Because you you're just going to sever the relationship. Right, and she doesn't want to hear that, and she right. has no choice but to be really happy about it right now. That's I a great point. Do you believe there is probably a small voice inside of her that's going, oh, my word, what am I going to do? She doesn't want to talk to that voice right now. At 3 a.m., when the baby's not sleeping and projectile puking, She's going to get it. You don't have to be the voice of reality. That will make itself apparent. Okay. So, and so maybe, yeah, may, maybe I was not representing it right, but say, if it ever gets tough, I'll be there for you too. I'm really thrilled for you. This is so, you know, I can tell how happy you are and I am just thrilled for you being so happy. If it ever gets tough though, I'll also be there for you. Because mm-hmm. I think this, this person writing in clearly knows and can foresee something that either her sister-in-law is not seeing or is choosing not to see. Well, she's 21. It's she's yeah, so she's it's 21. hard to say. I mean, what right? can you right. Yeah. So either Aww. way, the 21-year-old has some big life lessons coming. And the other thing is when you inter- introduce the baby into that family system, everyone's attitudes change. It becomes all about mm-hmm. keeping that baby safe and supporting her and giving the baby the best life. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. So it sounds like this person, you know, also from somewhat of a naive background, I would say, I, I would assume that this is probably something that they were caught off guard with or maybe weren't totally prepared in life for. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. It's often what happens when people aren't really. And you can't shame someone into better behavior. And I think to say anything other than supportive or silent would be shaming. Or she's going to interpret it as shaming. Yeah. And that, that you're not, you all of a sudden will become an adversary as opposed to support. And I think your best chance of helping this individual, whether they're choosing the path that you think is right or not, or whether they're choosing to take the, you know, the road that would be easiest or maybe that you feel would be the best, that is their choice. And then I think if you want to have any ability to have input into this situation, you have to stay on the right side of that line. Yeah. Yep. I, I I really respect that this person for for helping somebody who clearly is probably going to need a lot of help, mm-hmm. um, and and may not see it right now. But yeah, I I, I, I that's very admirable, and I respect you tremendously. Mm-hmm. Thanks for writing in. All right, Jesse, who's up next? Dear Sigmund, my mother suffers from Alzheimer's slash dementia and is sundowning pretty bad in the late afternoon, early evening. I know that they have prescribed some stronger drugs to help with that, and they are looking into putting her into hospice care for Alzheimer's dementia. I received a phone call the other day from my family wanting me to reassure my mother that she lives there, the house that they were calling me from, and that my dad was her husband of 64 years, and that my brothers and myself are her sons. As I was Talking to my brother after I had reassured my mother that information was correct, I could hear her in the background screaming her head off like she was in a knockdown argument. So my question is, now that pot slash CBD is becoming legal in most states, including the one my family lives in, would it be a good idea to maybe give my mother some edibles in the evening to maybe help out with the sundowning and hopefully stop the arguments? I don't know much about pot or if it would have bad reactions to her medication. That's heavy. Can I tell you a funny story? Please. So I had this very same situation in my family. And the EMT that showed up to the house because we had to take her to the hospital that night asked if she was sundowning. I didn't know what that word meant outside of the context of being on safari in Africa. And they bring you drinks and snacks while you sit on the savanna and like do all that fun stuff. Yeah. So the EMT says, is she sundowning? And I look at her like... I wish. Are you out of your fucking mind? Like, no, she hasn't been drinking. <laughs> she's got herself barricaded in a corner and she's being combative. She's clearly demented. Exactly. <laughs> and the EMT looks at me like, do we need to talk to you too? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and do you understand so, the words coming out of my mouth? <laughs> and the answer is no, no, I did not. Cause sundowning to me means you're sipping that cocktail eating the shevda and just, you know, enjoying the giraffes walking by. What is shevda? Oh, it's like the Indian um, snacky stuff. It's a little bit spicy, a little bit sweet, curried. I don't know, it's good stuff. Okay, like a a seed and nut mixture? No, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a deep fried, little sticks yes okay i think i've seen that it's like the deep fried little sticks but then it's got other goodness mixed in that you just grab by the handfuls i'll I'll look into i'm gonna google it i'm gonna google that good luck finding it here in lancaster county (laughs) good luck might have to go to kenya for it so i guess the question really is this is where i'd love if people called in because first of all to answer this question accurately 
what could help is knowing what medications, uh, right. what is the progression, where are they in terms of the timing of sundowning, you know, what's been tried, what has failed, uh, those kinds of things when I think about these things medically. But um, I would say there's a lot of medical marijuana providers. Uh, if this individual is in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, it is a medical marijuana licensed state. Uh, so I would say ask a medical marijuana provider. Um, at this point, I am not aware of any medications that would be directly what we call contraindicated to take in terms of interactions with other medications. THC uh, itself, uh, I understand, has very little interactions with pharmaceuticals. Um, it works through different pathways, different molecular receptors in the brain. Um, and THC being the compound within yeah, marijuana. Tetrahydrocannabinoid, THC. Tetrahydrocannabinoid. The stuff that gets you high. Yeah. The high, whatever the C <laughs> Compound. Was, the high compound, yes. THC. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I think that um, if you can find a prescriber who would be comfortable doing so, um, honestly, a lot of these things towards uh, the end of life and in dementia ca can certainly be utilized. We use uh, THC in forms of droplet form, you know, inhalational form in terms of uh, vaporized. Um, but he's asking about CBD. And sometimes you can get CBD oh. with the THC to get already? Out. Oh, yeah. You're CBD looking to would be get fine. mom stoned. Yeah. And but he's, yeah. he's just looking <laughs> to go to down like, the THC realm. Yeah. Uh, okay. If the answer, if the question is about CBD, I would say uh, talk to your healthcare provider about it. Just make sure that somebody is aware that you're going to try this. And if it works and there's no side effects, that could be an absolutely viable option, but definitely do it under the supervision of your prescriber, at least so that somebody is aware that this is gonna be tried and can maybe prepare you for any adverse outcomes that come out on the other side, um, and that you don't look like you're going rogue trying to drug your demented grandparent. Um, but other than that, uh, I would say that this is an incredibly difficult stage of life to navigate. Um, and I really wish you Godspeed in this, in this journey. Um, I don't know if there's anything else I can input in terms of directly the medical component, but I think that that is a fine option. There are a lot of sedatives we use. We use uh, all sorts of atypical antipsychotics in elderly. We use mood stabilizers in this realm. Um, a lot of different pharmaceutical options uh, that can be useful as well. So if you want to have those discussions with your doctor as well, we use them all the time. Uh, generally speaking, Seroquel is one of the most often used in my practice for elderly with kind of what we call a dementia with behavioral disturbance or neurocognitive disorder with behavioral disturbance. That's the kind of category this falls under because the neurocognitive disorder is the actual disorder and the behavioral disturbance is what you see um, the activity that's actually the dangerous component. Or the so disruption. the disorder is the dementia. The behavioral part is the combativeness. Yes. And you're not going to fix the neurocognitive disorder. So I kind of separated it out there because there is nothing that we know of that will reverse a progressive neurocognitive disorder unless it is one of a few things that are known to be reversible conditions. Generally speaking, they're very rare. They're vitamin deficiencies. They could be a pseudo-dementia. There's a couple other things that can cause pseudo -dementia. it. Pseudo-dementia. Yeah. It's something really interesting that can happen in all sorts of conditions, but mainly you see it in depression. 
People get really depressed, start having foggy brains. They have limited ability to remember, difficulty concentrating, what appears to start being uh, fairly representative of loss of memory and what could be confused with is Alzheimer's. But all that gets better when you treat the depression. So that's why it's one of the only causes for reversible uh, appearance of dementia. It's not truly a dementia. That's why we call it a pseudo-dementia. You just mansplained pseudo to me. Yeah, it's it's a it's a word for like half or quasi or fake. Yeah, fake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I wouldn't. Let me write it down for you. Yeah, on, please. Let me, let me get a pencil. Cran. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, the bottom line is, you're not opposed to it, but just run it by the prescribing physician so we can watch for any interactions. Do and it under the supervision of your doctor. Your doctor's yeah. not going to have a, a, a tough time with that. Honestly. Okay, so that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Is the doctor going to be like, mm, no, what are you no, doing? No, nobody will judge you for that, really. Okay. Because, I, I mean, what's more dangerous? You know, this individual who's having this extreme derealization event, you know, forgetfulness, probably behavioral disturbance, or trying a molecule that really we don't think has very much adverse side effects at all mm-hmm. um, and trying it. So okay. the risk-benefit ratio will fall in your favor more likely than not. But definitely do it under the supervision of somebody. So twofold. One, you don't feel like you're going rogue and concerned that you're going to hurt your grandmother or mother. Um, it's mom. Mom, yeah. And uh, and uh, they can really tell you exactly what medication they're on so that they could maybe reassure you that, that there would not be any adverse consequences or what we call drug-drug interactions. All right, cool. I hope that answers it. I think it does. All right. I think it does. All right, Jesse. Last dear, question of the episode. Dear Sigmund, okay, here goes. I was raised in a cult. Well, I consider it a cult now, but I didn't know any better when I was a kid. I don't want to say the name of the group because I don't want to identify myself, but the world treats it like it's a religion. It's not. It's a cult. I really believe it. I really believe that because I don't didn't want to be part of it anymore. My mom, dad, and sisters don't talk to me anymore. According to the rules of the cult, they can't. I will soil them. I'm completely iced out of their lives. I don't even know where they are right now. I've given up the hope that they will see how messed up it is, but it hurts. They're my mom and dad. They're supposed to love me unconditionally, but that's not my reality. My reality is that they love the cult. What am I supposed to do with this? How do I keep on living the way I want to? I'm afraid that I'll get so desperate to have to, to have them back in my life that I'll I'll go back to the cult. Whew. That's heavy. And totally realistic. Yeah. And there's a lot of religions like this that you know yep. that, that kind of verge on that it's not even a thin line, but they're presented to society as religions, but really when you're in them, they are very controlling all-consuming well you know the joke right which one what's the difference between a cult and a religion tell me about a hundred years that's not <laughs> <laughs> yes. i mean where's the line yeah you know um wow i really feel for this person i, I had this theory once not too long ago that uh we always well we spend our childhoods and all of our developmental years and probably adult years trying to please our parents 
and doing so much to earn their praise and approval. It's just kind of ingrained in us. And then parents will always want to be better than where you're currently at. They always just want the best for you and to get one step ahead of where you're at and always are vying for the next best thing. And so it's this kind of impossible battle. That just reminded me of it. It has nothing really to do with this question, but something I was thinking of the other day. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> but, but it does kind of get to the heart of this person is thinking about going back into something that they are recognizing they so is really unhealthy for them. Pre- right. This right. is tremendously unhealthy for me, but I'm willing to do that in order to not be the soiled one of the family. That what what a what a really tough position to be in. Okay, so here's my take. And I have actually seen this in therapy more than once. I have had several cases like this. Um, What are you supposed to do with it? Embrace the fact that it's a really difficult situation and make space for all of the emotions that you're having. So hurt, anger, distrust, whatever it is that comes up, it's okay and make space for it. And that you can have two opposing emotions at the same time and one doesn't negate the other, right? So I can be furious with my parents that they made this choice while simultaneously being just gutted that they're choosing an entity over me. Oh, I can't imagine. So we can can have these two competing things and, and first make space for that. How do I keep on living the way I want to is Mm -hmm. the next question that they ask. And it's day by day, right? Every day you move through the world with intention. I am intentionally choosing to do X, Y, and Z because it is aligned with my values. So I would say first get very clear with yourself on what you value. And that doesn't really mean like your morals, like, oh, I'm not going to steal or lie. It means, you know what? I really value honesty. Or I really value authenticity mm-hmm. or I value children, old people, whatever it is. Are your decisions aligned with that value? That yeah. is how you keep on living the way you want to is make sure that all of your decisions align with what you value, because if they get out of whack, you're going to feel friction, tension, anxiety, something's going to come up that's going to tell you, oh, this isn't right. Okay. And then your job is going to be to step back and realize what's out of alignment and then course correct. Okay. Afraid that you get so desperate to have them back into your life. Hmm. I totally get that. Like that's not, that's not right. And so my thing would be embrace that, that that is something that you worry about. Maybe it'll happen. What if it does? Is it an intentional choice that you make? Because making a choice with intention versus having it made for you are Mm -hmm. two very different things. To say, I know that I am choosing this cult organization simply because I need that relationship is very different than, I didn't have a choice. It's all I could do. I don't really want to do it, but it's what I have to do. Those feel very, very different. One is very empowering and one is powerless. Right. And neither one are easy. Right. No, not at all. Right. So if you're looking for this to ever feel easy, that ain't going to happen. Right. This is just a sucky situation from start to finish. And what are you, yeah, what are you trying to sacrifice or what, what are you willing to sacrifice for that relationship? Right. 
Which right. Is, Be which clear is with yourself. I'm time. willing to sacrifice this, but not that. Yeah. Like that's my hard line. And that might require you doing your own work with a therapist to get clear with that and to be able to maintain that and to sort of stand in your truth because that takes confidence. And I, discipline's the word that comes to mind. It might not be exactly the right mm-hmm. word, but it takes like a fortitude to say, I choose this hurt over that hurt. Mm. I know I'm not going to get out of this without hurting, but that's the hurt I choose. Powerful. I'd be willing to bet, too, that part of this religion slash cult um, is uh, probably puts a lot of value and emphasis on respecting elders and, you know, the, the hierarchy. family unit, the hierarchy, which it, which probably makes this decision even more difficult. Um, you know, because when you're raised a certain way in your formative years and your sponge years and you say that, you know, this is the end all be all, I must respect this. And all of a sudden you find yourself taking a different route. You still have that echo in your head for your entire life that echo of you know Mm -hmm. i was raised this way and then you're going to always have this internal battle if if you do choose Mm -hmm. a different path well and the goal should be not to get rid of the echo but to be informed by the echo right so i hear the echo i'm listening to it do i choose to take it into consideration or do i not Mm -hmm. if the goal is to get rid of it it's going to own you so you got to embrace that it's going to be there Yes. And work with it and define your relationship with that voice in your head, with sort of what is the rote memory that you grew up with. Yeah. This can this conversation can really be universalized. I can just imagine, I mean, a dozen contexts where you could use exactly this comment, you know, that, um, you know, I'm in a relationship that my family doesn't approve of. You know, same thing. I was raised this way. They're shunning me. They won't, you know, respect mm-hmm. me because of their values or a certain thing. Microphone and, getting away from you. Yeah. <laughs> and my, uh, you know, and my lifestyle is not fitting into their I'm expectation. I'm a furry and they're not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's a furry? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what a furry is. I do is. know what a furry is. I just thought it would be funny to pretend I was so naive. I didn't know. I actually um, didn't until a couple of years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, and it took a 19-year-old to explain it to me. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, what were you and this 19-year-old doing? <laughs> she brought it up in conversation, oh, sure, and I sure. did the old lady thing where I was like, what? <laughs> then I had to be explained. Like our staff has to go- Google. Or, excuse me, our listeners have to Google. Yes. Yeah, furry. Google. Uh, not on a work computer. Yeah, though. yeah. And whatever is the most deviant answer that comes up, that's the one that, yeah, that That's the right to. answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that's really good advice, Shannon. That's really tough. And, uh, I, I, I just, I really feel for these, you know, I, I think that these cults slash religions are designed this way, right? Because they're trying to keep an organized people insular, right? And protect. And submissive. Yes. Protect that idea, that faith. Uh, from the outside world, which could bend and manipulate and change your view away from whatever pious nature that that's trying to focus you on. Um, this is why you know you're supposed to only marry within your religion. This is why you're you know supposed to take the next generation into the religion, and if they leave, then it's you know frowned upon or shunned. Mm-hmm. In this case, uh, so you, you know these religions rely on this mm-hmm. to maintain their own entity survival so i kind of look at these as 
you know, the survival of a being or this entity in itself, that it's constantly mm -hmm. fighting for its own survival. And here you mm -hmm. are a product of this situation fighting for your own survival as well. So these are diametric forces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I hope we answered that question. If it, I mean, if there's any follow-up or if we didn't get to the heart of any of these questions, please feel free to have a follow-up question and say, hey, I was the person who wrote this last one in and you totally missed the point of my question or didn't answer it. Like the person who wrote in about CBD and I just went off on a tangent about THC because that's just right. what was on my mind right. at the time. You want to get stoned? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to get I'm totally blasted. Totally, okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, please, I, I was thinking about that the other day. Feel free to follow up on your question and say, hey, you know, missed the mark or you answered it, but then I had this follow-up question. Please feel free. Right, right. And recognizing that we only tape, so to speak, yes. um, once a month. So it'll be a three-episode lag until we get to it, but we will get to it. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. And Anybody have listening. any questions? You know where to find us at DearSigmund.com. We now have a YouTube channel, also DearSigmund. Mm. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram account. We are everywhere. So thanks for listening. Famous. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> thanks for listening.